0: I invite you all to turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 15, if that sounds like a repeat of last week. It is, and I'll get to that in just a sec. The words, of course, will be on the screen, so you can follow along that way. If you have a favorite Bible app on your phone, you can go ahead and pull that out if you'd like. But 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 15, found on page 508 in your pew Bible. 1 Kings 19, verse 1 through 15. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, The mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me, too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, Anoint Haziel, king over Aram. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, as Stephen, Pastor Stephan, I think he's in Iowa today. He's doing a wedding as he heads out on sabbatical for three months. And just having come out of a special time in the liturgical calendar, Ascension and Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, and before we actually head into a summer of really great Guest preachers starting next week with Mary Holst for three weeks, which is a gift. Uh, Stefan and I had this like little two week window where it's like, should we do like a little mini sermon series in this like little two week window? And we decided to, yes, let's do that. And so last week, Stefan preached on 1 Kings 19, verse 1 through 15. And as we were talking about it, I said, you know what, I have actually some notes uh, from past talks that I've given on this passage. Um, and then, so we talked about it, and, I, and he said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take my sermon in this way, and, and, and I said, well, that's, that's great, because I'm going to take my sermon in this way. And so we, we thought, how fun would it be if we just preached on the same passage two weeks in a row, and then you can see two different pastors kind of draw out, like, different applications and different conclusions from the same passage. This is not a competition. <laughs> there will be no voting. But Scripture is rich, And when you read it and meditate on it, you can often draw out, again, different conclusions and different um, applications. There's a lot going on in this story, as Pastor Stefan did a great job last week exploring it, giving context, especially about the story that just became, that came right before this one, which is that contest on Mount Caramel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. If you've not read that story, it's pretty dramatic. So go back because that's really setting up the context of what we're talking about. So there's really no reason this morning to rehash all of that. And so this morning I want to spend some time meditating on just one thing. Just one thing. Something that we learn about God. And actually that thing that we learn about God, I'm going to break it into two things. So two things about one thing. And it's going to be God's whisper and then God's question. God's whisper and God's question. So first, let's talk about God's whisper this morning. The focus of this story has traditionally been on God, which seems right to me, because in this story, we learn something about God, what God is like, how God works, God's voice, and how God relates to Elijah, and how God relates to us. As God comes near and approaches the place where Elijah is, it was like a storm, Actually, if you think about it, it was kind of like a hurricane. But not just a normal hurricane, it's like a hurricane on fire, which sounds pretty scary. It's approaching the mountain, it's shattering rocks. One time I drove through this small town in Iowa, this is when I worked in Iowa, and sometimes tornadoes will come through, maybe you've seen this before, and there had been a tornado that came through this small town as I was actually driving to Ikea. (laughs) You didn't need to know that, but that's where I was going. (laughs) And the tornado had come through, and you could just see the path, that, and you just see trees snapped in half, like huge, thick trees just snapped like toothpicks. It's pretty scary, and I feel like that's kind of what's happening. The wind and the earthquake and the fire, it's so incredibly powerful. And all this amazing display of power, the swirling wind, and then like a hurricane with a still and calm center, it's almost like there's this kind of rush of fire and earthquake and wind, and then this calm center kind of moves over the place where Elijah is. And the passage says that God speaks from that place with a whisper. Other translations, which can be helpful sometimes, phrase it like this. The, sh- the sound of sheer silence. But I actually like this other one. Um, It was translated in, in one place. A sound of soft stillness. I like that. A sound of soft stillness. In all my experience of being a Christian, and in the experience of others, as I've listened to your stories, just like this passage, God rarely comes in fire. God rarely comes in the powerful wind. God rarely comes in the rock-shattering earthquakes. In other words, it's been my experience, maybe yours too, that God rarely comes in the spectacular, in the awe-inspiring, in the loud, attention-getting ways. Instead, we often experience the presence of God in the quiet in the still, in the soft, in the tender, in the subtle. So much so that it's actually incredibly easy to miss. I was thinking here about this space, this worship service. Two ways that God speaks to us. God speaks and communes with us Through the scriptures, the inspired scriptures. God also speaks and communes with us through the sacraments. But these, these are not loud things. God is not yelling at us. God's not screaming at us. They're so quiet. They're so easy to miss. And when I listen to your stories, God's activity is often quiet. God's voice is heard through the wisdom of your friends. God's voice and leading comes through circumstances and even coincidences. Many of you have experienced the voice and presence of God in nature. God's voice and love and care has often been communicated to you through your beloved pets cats and dogs and horses and even chinchillas. God's voice comes and speaks in those moments of intuition, that gut feeling deep down when you just know. All of these ways are just like that still and soft voice that speaks to Elijah on the mountain. I think if we can learn something from this story, one thing we could take away is to tune our hearts tune our eyes, tune up our ears, so that we can pay attention to the gentle whisper of God in our lives. Because most often, for some reason, I don't know why exactly, it's one of the ways that God just likes to communicate with us. It could be because he's so powerful that it's his way of shielding us from the immensity of his glory, knowing that we're fragile human beings. And so He whispers to us as a way to draw us closer. It could be, too, that God is a God of love. And so lovers whisper. Again, his way of wooing us and drawing us and pulling us in closer and closer to his heart. A number of years ago, I saw a spiritual director for the first time I don't know if you know much about spiritual directors, but it's someone who's trained to sit with you and to listen for God's voice, God's activity in your life. And they do this by sitting with you and listening deeply and asking really good questions and doing some gentle guiding. And as you open up about your life and your circumstances and everything going on, they listen for the God of grace that's moving in your life. At one point, I was curious to find out from him just his observations because he had been doing it for a long time, meeting with people and doing spiritual direction. So I wanted to hear not just about me, but what are the major themes that he had observed uh, in the people that he's met with over the many years? And I asked him, I said, can you tell me like the big themes of the things that you've seen that are just over and over again just true, as you've met with really a wide variety of people? And he was kind enough to respond. He sent me five insights. I'm going to share them with you now. And just notice how quiet they all are. How subtle, how patient. What I believe to be the voice of God speaking and leading and guiding. So these are the five things that he's noticed as he's talked and listened to people about their experience of God over many years. Men and women, all different ages. He says the first thing is this. Over time, to help people move from pleasing others to find out what moves us at the center of our being. Where God's passions for us rise up within us according to who he's made us to be. To move from pleasing everybody else to listening to what God has gifted me, gifted you, the passions that He's given you, to listen to who He's made you to be and then to live out of that core. That's the voice of God. That's hard work, it's subtle work. Here's the second thing as He sat with so many people. Recognizing that our criticisms and judgments of others are often a mirror for us to see what we're not seeing or unwilling to see in our own lives. Hope that makes sense. Recognizing that our criticisms and judgments of others are often a mirror for us to see what we're not seeing in our own lives or unwilling to see in our own lives. And so we hate it over there because we hate it in here. But we can't look here. So we just keep criticizing it out there. Here's the third thing that he's noticed. That God is always bigger. God is always bigger than our ideas and beliefs about God. And so we need to continually to let God come to us as he wants to come to us. God is not trapped by our beliefs. When we think we know something about God, we often stop being open to God. Here's the fourth thing. Helping people to learn to listen to God and for God, listening for God, rather than ignoring God or talking to God. Not that that's bad, but as people start parsing out and kind of getting into the nuance and looking for the subtle things. In other words, the need for silence and listening is not really cultivated much in our lives. So how do we listen to God and listen for God, where God might be working, rather than simply just talking to God? And here's the fifth thing that he really helps people to work on. The need for honest communication with God. Bringing all of what we think and feel rather than what we only think God will like to hear. He says, as God knows anyway, so it's best to be brutally honest. God can handle it. So we move from just telling God what we think God wants to hear to being more honest, bringing all of what we think and feel rather than what we only think God wants to hear from us. I think these are the subtle, again, nuances of soul work, spiritual work, and I believe that God's voice is there. God's voice is many places but it's in that quiet work, God's presence speaking to us, leading us, guiding. But again, notice God's not yelling. God's not screaming at you. God's not stomping on the floor, throwing things. God seems to be so grounded and so loving and so incredibly patient and so gentle that he has no need to make a big ruckus. He trusts in his own love to change the world. God seems like he trusts so much in himself that he's willing to endure with humanity as it seems like we take two steps forward, three steps back, wandering around in the wilderness, making tons of mistakes. In his presence, he guides us, he leads us, he speaks to us. He never gives up on us. Seems like God likes to whisper And we see that here in this story. We can also recognize the same divine voice in our own lives when we stop to reflect, I think, on our own experiences of God. Here's the second thing I'd like us to think about and meditate on this morning. It's God's question. Quite quickly, we learn in our story that Elijah runs for his life after he's threatened. He's afraid which is really amazing considering the fact that the story just prior to this one about the showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, it was a very powerful experience. The God of Elijah rains fire down from heaven in an awesome, awesome display of power and aliveness. God is the living God. God is alive. The news of what has happened reaches Jezebel. She's so upset and embarrassed that she threatens Elijah's life, and he's scared. So he runs. And he runs to a place where he thinks that God will do something loud and amazing. Something that will really boost his faltering faith. Another powerful God experience. And God says twice in our passage, which is always when you read Scripture, whenever things are repeated, that's always, a, it's always an indication to pay attention. This is the question God asked twice. Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? here and the emphasis truly is on here what are you doing here because this is not just any place this wilderness this mountain this cave elijah what are you doing here I don't know if you've picked up on it, but the scriptures are overtly (laughs) placing two stories side by side and drawing connections between them. What's happening here with Elijah has happened before to someone else. His name is Moses. There's all kinds of connections. Honestly, I had a whole list that I was going to read. I cut it (laughs) for length, but the connections are crazy. I mean, really, it's a remix Of the Moses story on Mount Sinai. Elijah's trying to conjure up a Moses experience. And God's response is essentially this Elijah, I know it's tempting to go backward, but we can't go backward, we can only go forward. In essence, what he says is, I've revealed myself to you already. And that is enough. One revelation is enough for a lifetime. So come on. Let's move forward. Which is why then God gives Elijah some simple instructions. Go to the desert of Damascus and when you get there anoint Haziel king over Aram. What God says is Elijah, you don't need another god moment. In essence, Elijah, I'm here. We have a relationship and there's good work to be done. Now come on. Let's move forward together. First Kings 19 it's interesting passage It's really a story about a lot of things. But at the fundamental core, I believe it's a story about God. It's a story about God's voice and God's question and God's presence. And so whatever age we are, we walk by faith. And we trust God more and more. And we look for God's quiet voice. And we always walk forward with God into an unknown future that often makes us feel scared. But we do so taking step after step, even when it's hard, even when we feel scared, because we are not alone. God is with us every step of the way. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you give us the heart and the ears and the eyes to be able to perceive and hear your voice when it comes to us. So subtle, often so quiet. Help us to pay attention to all the experiences of you all around us, coming from all different places. We pray, Lord, that we don't go backwards, although we want to. Help us to move forward in grace, knowing that you hold us that you sustain us and that you're with us every step of the way. Give us courage. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.